Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Tennis Director, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers, the first serves in-depth look at the art and science of playing the game. Well, welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm Mark Zafalos from the Tennis Menu. And wow, we had such a great response to last week's episode of the Men's Goat. This week, we are going down the path of the Women's Goat. And I am joined by the man with the numbers, the crunching the numbers guru himself, Mr. Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Shane, how are you? I'm well, Mark. I'm well. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. We're going down another rabbit hole, I think. It's going to be really, really hard to, to work out who the best female players are. But uh, let's give it a shot. It is, a, it is an incredible topic. I know last week there was a lot of uh, great feedback we did get. And thank you so much to all of our listeners that have been uh, writing into us and uh, explaining how much they enjoy the show. So we do appreciate uh, every one of you, obviously tennis lovers like us. And uh, we're going to look this week at the best women players of all time. And last week we did the men and we were a bit undecided also, or I think we were a bit split, the yourself and I. And I think this week's going to be very, very similar. Um, and there's obviously a lot of good players in the women's eras, different eras. We, we've been talking about this off air as to, you know, what? how can we look at comparing each one when the eras were so different. And we're going to look at what each of these players did bring to the game as well and have a look and dissect that. But uh, Shane, you've obviously done some some research behind who you think are the greatest by the numbers. And, and what did you come up with? A number of ways to really try and cut this. And, um, uh, and, and I'm going to give a few sort of ideas on how we can actually go about trying to work out who, who, who the, the greatest player is. So you've got, obviously, your Grand Slam, your totals, um, who's won the most, uh, most finals, things like that. Worth looking at things like the consecutive Grand Slam winning streaks. I think there's some impressive numbers in there, and we'll touch on that in a second. But but then you look at your sort of year-end world number ones, you know, the weeks at number one, consecutive weeks at number one. I think that's it's probably a good starting point. Also, sort of match winning percentage, things like that. Uh, might be a, a way for us to sort of unpick it. And, and, and I'll start with, um, I know you got the Grand Slam number, so I won't go there, but I'll start with a list of who I think, when you factor in the, the, those sort of topics that I just mentioned, players that I think sort of top that list. And you got Margaret Court, Serena Williams, Steffi Graf, Chris Evert, Martina Matilova, Billie Jean King, um, and there's Helen Willis Moody as well. And, and I think uh, the two of us are pro- probably... Uh, didn't well, we certainly didn't grow up in the, in her era, and and I'm not sure if either of us have really seen a lot of footage to to really evaluate her, her gameplay. 
much, but um, her numbers, just looking at it, are, are mind-blowing. So I wanted to, to give, give uh, I suppose, that list of players. And then I'm going to really quickly fire off, I think, some of the, the, the crazy numbers, um, and each of them sort of had different categories. But Grand Slam finals, Chris Everts made the most, 34. Serena and um, is at 33. And then you've got Martina... Uh, 32 and Steffi Graf at 31. Chris Everts actually incredibly consistent on the slam um, in, on the on this category. She's made semi-finals 52 times, quarter-finals 54 times. So she, um, yeah, was uh, there or thereabouts. Didn't look like she uh, got out in, in early rounds at all. In terms of Grand Slam consecutive winning streaks, you got Margaret Court and uh, Martina Navratilova winning six in a row. Um, Steffi Graf. Uh, she, she's uh, won five in a row at, on one occasion. She's won four in a row on an occasion as well. Serena has won four in a row on multiple occasions um, and three on an occasion. Steffi Graf, like if you look at on this count, she's um, prolific. She's won three in a row three times, um, as well as um, what she's done um, on the uh, on on the four and the five in a row. So it speaks to her her consistent dominance um, um, for a period of time. And then another thing to look at really is the um, the Grand Slam winning percentages, match winning percentages. Th- these numbers are incredible. So I'm going to go from almost bottom to top here. Martina Navratilova, 86.2% winning percentage. Serena Williams, 87.5% winning percentage. Chris Everett, 88.99%. Steffi Graf at 89.75%. Margaret Court at 90%. And then right at the top uh, is good old Helen uh, Wills, Moody. She's uh, winning at 96.6%, uh, 125 wins and four losses. Um, again, definitely in the era that uh, neither of us are an expert to sort of unpick, but uh, those numbers are, are mind-blowing. Uh, and I suppose a caveat I, I do want to put on that is she uh, played in an era where I think the Grand Slam fi- final winner from the previous year had automatic sort of qualifications to finals. So... Um, it was certainly a little bit easier, but still, that those numbers are sort of mind-blowing. Uh, and uh, in terms of year-end, number one, Wills uh, with nine, um, Chris Everett on eight, Steffi Graf on eight, Margaret Court on eight, sorry, Margaret Court seven, Martina Navratilova, year-end number one at seven times, Serena Williams, five, Billie Jean, sorry, at six. Um, again, illustrious sort of list there. Um, weeks at number one, Steffi Graf's at the top there, still on 377. You got Helen Wills um, and Martina Navratilova second and third, Margaret Court fourth, and Serena Williams fifth on three hundred nineteen consecutive weeks at number one. Um, Steffi Graf's up the top there, uh, actually tied with Serena Williams at one hundred eighty six weeks. Um, Martina Navratilova is one hundred fifty six, and Chris Evert under one hundred thirteen. I think the incredible part of that list is when you you look at how many times Steffi Graf had consecutive weeks. She's actually on that sort of top ten list three times, so she's had multiple streaks where she's uh, at number one. So um, again, another thing that sort of speaks to her longevity. I know that's a lot. Let's start there. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously the the Grand Slam numbers are Margaret Court leads on twenty four, Serena Williams on twenty three, Steffi Graf on twenty two, and then below that you've got Chris Evert, Billie Jean King, Martina Navratilova, and I'm going to call her Tom Moody because I don't know her first name, but Moody was a player. <laughs> I'm not a cricketer, but um, Moody was a player back in what what era was that in? Shane, you've you've got those numbers. She uh, played in the 20s and 30s, Mark. Yeah, there you go. So um, Tom Moody wasn't even born then either, and he was a great cricketer. But um, we look at those numbers. We've got Court, Williams, Graf as our top three. 
obviously it's a, an interesting one. And if you, like you said, if you do flip the, that surface, how does that make an impact on those three? I mean, they've all got totally different ways of playing the game. And that's where I feel like um, it's, it's quite awesome to see three totally different players and very similar to the men's where we had Novak, Rafa and, and Roger, all very different game styles. These three are obviously very different. And Serena Williams is the one that comes to mind for me that really has changed the game and the way it's been played. And I know there was a bold prediction by Richard Williams many years ago that he said that his two daughters were going to be the best two basically of all time. And he wasn't wrong. I think Venus and Serena have been outstanding contributors to the women's game. And and Serena's obviously still playing the game now in 23 and still has the opportunity to to pass uh, the, the great Margaret Court, obviously Australian player that has, has exceeded uh, everybody in, in her Grand Slam pursuit. But, uh, you know, I think Steffi Graf as well brought to the game something that I, I guess in the women's game hasn't been replicated at all. And that's that slice backhand, the beautiful feel that she did have off the slice uh, backhand, which I felt was able to create such great variety, plus that massive forehand of hers. So, I don't know where I sit on all of these three in the way that they, they all have played. Yeah, it's certainly very tricky, and uh, and, and, and I noticed you, you touched on surface, and uh, one of the things we, we were doing, uh, almost a bit of a fan engagement exercise, was to, to use some of the, the ELO rating models, um, prediction models, to, 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 to go through some what-if hypothetical scenarios, and, and, and the question that we were looking at was, what if the Australian Open stayed... Um, on grass, um, who would be, you know, winning the slam count? And we had, um, yeah, certainly on the women's side, we had um, uh, at at the top, Serena Williams would would, based on our model, would jump to the top there. Margaret Court would remain on, on the same sound card. It, it it wouldn't have affected her given she played the AO on grass her whole career. Steffi Graf would also be up at twenty four slams equal with her. Um, so interesting there and then we also looked at well what if it was played on clay would that make a difference and and under our model we had Steffi Graf now at, at the top of that list with 23 slams Margaret Court losing a couple of slams um, if, if it were to be played on clay going down to 22 and Chris Evert who was so dominant at Roland Garros um, getting a few more slams and being at 21 and I know this is a bit of a speculative exercise with uh, prediction models but it was v- very interesting just to see what if the dynamic of Grand Slams um, were changed purely on surface? Would we have a different sort of a list at the top? You're right. If you do change the surface, it does make a huge difference. I mean, that could be said as well for the men's game. If we take away clay courts, for example, where does that leave Rafael Nadal? That would be a really interesting conversation as well. But uh, obviously, Serena's been the, the queen of Wimbledon, which if Australian Open stayed at Kuyong and stayed as a grass court tournament, you know, where would that have left Serena Williams? And I think probably one of the the, the reasons why these goat sort of exercises are a little bit fruitless at times because you, you are comparing uh, eras when things have changed and, and a surface change is quite significant. Um, and just to complete your thought um, on on Nadal, uh, if uh, you know if there wasn't clay, um, you're right, um, his numbers would be lower. But if you could have the counter argument, you know, what if the AO was clay and we had two clay court grand slams instead of two hard court slams? Yeah, we had his numbers projected at 32 grand slams if that was the case, and um, and obviously uh, t- pinching a number of AOs from Djokovic and. Federer um, bringing those two players count down as well so again another uh, scenario but uh, if if AO stayed on grass for the men 
you know, Federer would be leading the Grand Slam um, count according to our prediction models, but you'd have Nadal still at two, but Pete Sampras is a huge mover. He'd be up to 19 Grand Slams uh, based on the data that we had and the model that um, that we were uh, sort of we, we developed and used. So definitely a fun a conversation of topics, particularly for the analysts to, to see how their models sort of predict these things. But uh, yeah, an interesting sort of side note when you're doing these comparisons, you, you aren't necessarily comparing like for like. Um, so uh, again, while we're, we're sort of um, tr- trying to do that today, uh, it, it is important to to remember it's, it is really challenging no matter what sport you're sort of looking at to, to really compare uh, between eras going back to the women um, one of the big things that I noticed the versatility like you've got Margaret Court winning you know 11 Australian Opens but she's also won five French Opens Wimbledon's and the US Opens and Serena's won seven Australian Opens seven Wimbledon's but she's also won French Opens and US Opens like three and six respectively Graf won four Australian Open, six French Open, seven Wimbledon's, five US Open. So most of the the, the ones in the top ten uh, Grand Slam all time in the women that they've won it across the four slams. Um, whereas if you look at the men, um, there's definitely um, skews to to certain slams. Um, and obviously with uh, Federer and Djokovic not not getting a a, a great look in at, at Roland Garros with Nadal being there. So um, that that's something I'd love to touch on. Um, why have these women been able to be so versatile Mark. and this is i guess uh, from a coaching perspective you want to be able to provide your athlete with the ability to play on multiple surfaces in multiple environments and i feel like all three of those players had that ability and have that ability from serena still playing so i don't want to call her had because she's still in the present but just the, the ability to play at the baseline the ability to have a little field to be able to defend to be able to attack to be able to come forward to the net and these the players obviously in the women's game that have been able to do that. We're seeing Ash Barty now coming through, obviously with the variety of game as an all-core player. Now, where does that leave those one-dimensional players? And and before we came on, on air, we spoke about Martina Hingis. What an absolute super athlete, but was was kind of one-dimensional in that she was quite a, a very de- defensive-based player. Um, and then you've got Serena that comes in and just overpowers a player like that and, and was able to change the game a little bit. But, you know, I think it's the ability to to create yourself as a holistic athlete. And that, to me, is really important. And those three, Margaret Court, Serena Williams and Steffi Graf, all had the ability to be able to play multiple ways. And there wasn't one way of winning matches for for all of them. And, and that, to me, stands out. And that's why, obviously, they've had the most success, um, obviously, in the game. And Probably all three of them, and I don't know the stats on this, and I don't know if you've got them either, but all three of them have played some pretty decent doubles as well. And that, to me, shows the ability and the versatility of of the athletes themselves to be able to play singles, to be able to play doubles and have a variety in their game. Yep. Uh, yeah, they've all had success. Um, I don't have the numbers on the top of my head, but they, um, I believe they're all Grand Slam winners in doubles as well. So it speaks to, to, to that point very well. One of the things that's intrigued me as well is just like uh, you look at, and, and again, I, I didn't catch uh, any of Margaret Court's um, matches really growing up. It was probably a bit, bit, a bit early for me, um, but I, I did towards um, when I started certainly watching tennis, I, I caught a bit of the end of Steffi Graf's career and, and her rivalry with particularly Monica Seles um, and then um, grew up a lot watching players like Martina Hingis and I, and I love what she brought to the game in terms of the, the thinking. But then you're absolutely right. Once Serena came on, just the ability to, um, to overpower athletes. But then um, I think people don't give uh, Serena the credit where she, she's just able to outthink them as well. Um, and that's something where you're bringing the power, you're bringing the thought process, um, and then the, just the sheer determination to win. She 
she's played ugly and won so many matches. Um, she's been down 2-5, um, you know, staring staring at a defeat and she's turned it around. And that's um, something which I think all of these players in the list, they were never really out of matches. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point, I think, Shane, because if you look at, I guess, those top players, Court Williams, Graf, Everett, Billie Jean King, Nebrata Loba, those players are super competitors. Now, if there's something that you want to have in today's game, it's competitiveness and it's the ability to be adaptable. And they're the two things I think that stand out with the best players, I guess, right across the board, male and female. If you don't compete at this level, the game will chew you up. The game is, is that competitive these days and is that challenging, you know, with the amount of players around the world that are doing this. And I think it's really important to understand that if we don't create players that holistically, um, from a mental perspective, the, the competitiveness and, you know, the ability to, to stick it out, like you're saying, and be able to just fight to the end, they're not going to get anywhere. You know, I look at some great players of all time and you look at, you know, we had to that list, we had Hingis, we had Salas, you put Sabatini in there, Sanchez Vicario, um, you know, these sort of names, great competitors, but probably didn't have the game, the variety of game like these top players did. Um, exactly right. I, and yeah, some fantastic names. I mean, Mary Pierce. I, I'm just a lot of them are going yeah. through my head. It's just, um, I mean, you, you kind of feel sorry for them. They they kind of ran into the, these uh, amazing players. But um, yeah, the the other thing is they've all added on to to and, and changed the game. Changed with the equipment. Changed with um, you know the string availability. So um, again, Serena's just. Um, I mean, she she could she, she, with a wooden racket, she'd out hit a lot of players anyway. Just having you know the, these these frames and the, these strings has just added to her game. And uh, something which I t- touched on, I think, in an earlier podcast, she's even made massive improvements to her game. Um, I think um, her forehand certainly in the last six or seven years um, since um, I think Moratoglu's come on board has improved incredibly. It's more consistent. Um, there's got m- more shape on it. She's, um, but she hasn't really lost the aggression on it either. So they continue to to get better. Steffi Graf made changes to her game. She added to it. She she um, prolonged it. She won, a, um, I think, 1999. She won, uh, you know, a slam towards the end of her career and she just changed the way she played um, to, to do that. It's a great point. Like if you think about the, um, you know, these great athletes of all, time and we're talking about the, the greatest of all time here in the female game but we also went through it last week with the men's is that they've evolved their games continuously you know you look at Nadal changing his serve at times Djokovic did the same Federer changes equipment you know halfway through his career after he's won a certain amount of grand slams and you look at these these players here at the top Margaret Court Serena and Steffi all evolved their game over time and I think that's the sign of a, a great player is that they're very coachable they're very adaptable um, you know, and they're, they're willing to to improve themselves. You know, I think the the players that, that are content with where they're at never, ever achieve the heights that these sort of greatest players of all time do. And that's, you know, a really important trait as well is not only, you know, your competitiveness, your adaptability, your coachability, but, you know, you've got to evolve with the times. And you, like you said, like Steffi Graf went through that phase of, you know, changing equipment, you know, the rackets were changing, new technology was coming in, the court started to change a little bit. She was right in the middle of almost Serena Williams and Margaret Court in terms of the whole game changing. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, she she had um, some great sort of contenders towards the end of their career, middle and Navatrel over um, Chris Everett were, was around. So Steffi Graf's really yeah, been wedged in. She's almost that uh, missing link between the, the eras. So, um, yeah, incredible 
the career of Badal. I think it's time we, we uh, n- name who we think <laughs> we've been putting it up too long here. It is it is a tough one because I think I think overall Margaret Court really has a lot more doubles titles as well and mixed doubles titles, incredible feat. Not look at, at the end of the day, you know, I know um, from a political standpoint, there are people that are going to have dividing opinions, but she's been a champion of our game. You know, Serena Williams has come on board and changed the way women have gone about tennis, become a real power game. And Steffi Graf had the ability to do everything. So, you know, where do, where do I sit in terms of this? Well, I think numbers to me don't lie. So you'd have to say Margaret Court at the moment still holds that. And, and look, I think from a doubles perspective, mixed doubles and singles, it shows the variety and versatility of, of Margaret Court. And like, like you, I didn't get to see her play that much. Um, but, you know, for someone to be to hold that many Grand Slam titles, obviously able to, to to play the game at an extraordinary level. Um, you know, even if Serena equals it or beats it, do I think she's better? Look, I think she changed him in tennis. Um, she'll be probably on par with with uh, Margaret Court, but um, I think right now, I think Margaret Court's record speaks for itself and I don't think it's very easy to go past that but I, I if it's who I like the most I love Steffi Graffin I love watching her play it was a little bit of my era growing up and uh, I loved her versatility that slice backhand that run around forehand was was something that I'll uh, always remember and you know she's someone that I, I grew up watching and uh, have loved watching just for her her mentality as well just so calm and controlled and uh, but so feisty in competitiveness for me and I you know, I, I I didn't really have a clear answer. I looked at um, the, the numbers as well, and obviously the Grand Slam count does favour Margaret Court. But but I was looking at uh, I suppose um, yeah the, the challenges in in changing here is a challenging uh, challenges in terms of number of high quality opponents. And and I had Steffi Graf at the top of my list. Um, I know she's two behind Margaret Court and one behind Serena in terms of the Grand Slams. But what she did, and I think she did the Golden Slam where she won the Olympic gold, won all four slams. Um, yeah, that's a feat that's that's incredible. That, that's an incredibly difficult thing to, to win. And at that time, um, that's when the four surfaces were considerably different. Uh, I'm, I'm talking, you know, the hard courts played quick. Um, uh, Australia, I think, had the rebound ace. That played completely different to the US hard courts. You had Wimbledon at its quickest. Clay at Roland Garros was the slowest. The, the conditions were completely different. And, and Steffi Graf was able to win that, win the Olympic gold. Um, really dominate tennis. And then, um, yeah, she had success against those great players in Everett, um, Vashalova, and then, um, you know, early on, I know, in Serena's career, but um, Steffi Graf, I think, beat Martina Hingis in that famous Grand Slam final as well. So, it, it, for me, she she's at the top of that list. Um, she kind of doesn't get the credit as well. She doesn't have a big profile outside of tennis anymore. I know she's married Andre Agassi, but she keeps a very low profile. Um, you don't see her on social media or uh, um, much other than her charity but, work. But, but for me, it's, um, yeah, some of those numbers, and, and I know she doesn't have the Grand Slam count, but the consecutive Grand Slam tournament streaks where she's um, nearly at the top of that list with five in a row, and then she's done it four in a row, she's done it three in a row so many times. Um, you know, the finals, she got made 13 Grand Slam finals in a row. Uh, and then she did she that did that you know a few times um, not thirteen but five and six so just uh, if you look at a lot of the top ten lists of achievements she's on there not just once but twice um, and and just speaks to the dominance and and, and I love uh, the fact that she connected I suppose to two golden eras of tennis really she the, connected the the Williams era when um, when I think the, you know both Williams sisters sort of broke through. Uh, Martina Hingis was was around at the early past. Jennifer Capriati, uh, Lindsay Davenport, 
some great players. She connected that era to to the likes of the Everts and the, the Martina Navratilovas, and um, and and I, I feel like she dominated. Um, she she was winning in 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 all of them um, to to a good level. So for me, she's at the top, even though she doesn't have a Grand Slam count. Yeah, she's at the top of the list. I think Serena will. If we're talking about future goat, I think she'll she'll get there. Um, she's done. Um, yeah, she's changed the game. I think more than more than the others. Uh, she's probably had to go through a lot of adversity to get to that point as well. Incredible in the doubles as well. So I think for me, Steffi at the moment, um, and I think Serena's going to get there by the end of her career. Yeah, it's obviously really hard to pick, and it's, it was similar last week when we spoke about the men's. Very very hard to split. You know, three of the greatest athletes of all time in our sport, and. And there's no doubt there's a lot of uh, probably the, the women's list is a little bit longer than the men's. And it just probably is a testament to the women's game. I think, you know, it's so open. Every single Grand Slam winner at the start of the tournament, it takes a, a few rounds in to be able to choose who's actually the best player in the draw. Yep. Um, and speaks to depth. Uh, and, I, and I think you see in the women's game, we've, we've looked at, I um, mean, it was a, a crazy stat. I, I probably don't have it right in my head, but, um, you know, in the last 70 slams, uh, there was a, a huge proportion of individual Grand Slam winners um, on the women's side, whereas the men, it's uh, been very, very uh, much a three-man show for a, for a long period of time. Yeah, I think it's something like 84% of the last uh, 13 or 14 years, I think that the Roger, Rafa and Novak have dominated the sport. But uh, in the women's, I think they've had something over 50 different individual Grand Slam winners in that time. So, uh, it, it does uh, it does speak volumes for the women's game. I think, you know, it's a, a sport now. You can see it starting to evolve back to a bit of an all-court game, similar to what Graf, Williams and Court did bring. Ash Barty, current world number one Australian player, has that ability to be able to have variety in a game. And we also saw English Fiontech obviously winning the French Open, having the ability to play with length, with width and come to the net and be able to have variety in a game. So is the game changing? Is that where it's going back to? That's something that we'd love to hear from you guys uh, out there listening to this podcast. And we hope that you're enjoying what we've been able to bring to you over the last couple of months. We've obviously been uh, in lockdown a lot around the world and hopefully you're all doing well and getting back into somewhere where normality is. I know in Europe it's, it's quite a challenging situation for you all. So I do hope you're hanging in there and I uh, hope, uh, hope everyone's healthy and safe. And that was obviously another episode of Crunching the Numbers brought to you by the Tennis Menu and Data Driven Sports Analytics where you'll find myself and Shane Leonage. Please uh, reach out to us if there's anything we can ever help you with. We'd love to Love to chat to you all and have, and obviously connect with a lot of you out there. And we love the sport like you do. And hopefully we're bringing you uh, some of the latest and greatest stats in the game. So Shane Leonage, thank you so much for everything you've done. And uh, obviously today bringing those numbers. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, great to bring this show. And um, yeah, look forward to next week. That has been another episode of Crunching the Numbers. And don't forget to get to all the other podcasts on the First Serve platform. You've got In the Huddle, Aussies Only, and the First Serve Weekly Show with Brett Phillips. This has been brought to you by The Tennis Menu, where you can get your online coach for as little as $99 a year, 600 drills, plus all the data in the game, flexibility, mobility, and coming soon, a lot of coaching courses that you can get your hands on. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to all our weekly content including past editions of Crunching the Numbers, as well as our dedicated commercial radio program each Monday on SEN that you may have missed at 7pm Eastern, Aussies only, and in the huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.